You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by Thoroughbred Racing Commentaries Global Rankings. Hi there, good morning. It is Thursday the 17th of February, coming to you this morning from Bahrain, where I'm here ahead of the final leg of the inaugural Bahrain Turf Series, £250,000 handicaps tomorrow, and we'll be bringing you more news of that and some of the international participations on the podcast on Friday. News has just come through from the British Horse Racing Authority, just dropped that the remaining COVID-19 race day restrictions would be eased and they've outlined plans for that easing which would see weighing room testing requirements lifted by the end of February. Uh, Weighing room attendees no longer expected to show evidence of negative lateral flow prior to entry and from Monday the 14th of March which is the Monday before the Cheltenham Festival race courses no longer be required to configure the weighing room complex for the purposes of COVID-19 infection control which will make logistics through that week much more straightforward. So that's news hot off the press. BHA have been very busy. Dates been set for Asheen Murphy hearing more later in the program and also um, very significant as regards news that we brought you earlier in this week they have taken the unusual but unprecedented measure of suspending Sir Mark Todd's license off the back of that viral video incident showing him uh, hitting a horse with a tree branch during an eventing schooling session two years ago which he's admitted responsibility for they've taken the measure of suspending his license pending a hearing uh, David Yates newsboy from the Daily Mirror the story with uh, the, the newspaper that broke this story is with me today Dave you commented on this on on Monday what do you make of the BHA's decision Sir Mark Todd had uh, Kate Cornwall Rose the three year old filly entered for Lingfield on Friday and before the decks came through yesterday uh, there was the BHA statement saying that that the chair of British Racing's independent judicial panel has today approved an application for the BHA that an interim suspension should be placed on the training license of Sir Mark Todd following the emergence over the weekend of a video showing him striking a horse with what appears to be a branch. This interim suspension means that while investigations continue into the circumstances of this incident, uh, Sir Mark will be unable to race horses in Britain or internationally. The trainer has admitted the individual involved in the video was him, has apologised for his actions and agreed to the imposition of an interim suspension. It's an interesting one, this, in that what more information needs to be gathered here? In the past, when when they needed to, to act uh, quickly, the BHA has been able to do that. My position on this has altered slightly. Um, I rang Sir Mark Todd yesterday, I you know, thought, well, you need to get a reaction to the suspension. And I had a brief conversation with him. And as one does, someone picks up the phone, you say who you are. Hello, Sir Mark, it's Dave Yates from the Daily Mirror here. And then you say, how are you? And he said, well, I think you can guess. And in a very brief conversation, it brought home to me the real impact on his life at the moment, a 65-year-old, one of the most decorated equestrians the world over, as we know, a, a dual Olympic gold medal winner. It, it, it didn't take a long conversation to realise that this has had a huge impact on him. And it brought home to me the need for common sense and context in this. I was very interested to listen to um, your 
interview with David Redvers on Tuesday and the reaction of Jane Mangan, in which Jane said that it's that decades of work cannot be cancelled by one, call it indiscretion, one mistake. And I, I agree with that. Everybody agrees that that was not the right thing to do. But the question recurs in my mind and has done over the last, you know, 16 hours or so as to as to whether what many people are seeking to do to Sir Mark Todd is proportionate. And in my own mind, if I'm answering that question honestly, I, I don't think that the reaction of many people is proportionate. And that leads me to the point I made the other day, which is, does it matter what you and I think? I picked up on this piece that was in the leader in the New Statesman this week, a paragraph which went, Sociologists and historians have long known that morals are socially produced. Rather than make ethical decisions entirely independently, we tend to mimic those around us, and moral fashions change, which is why you get the strange spectacle of people reacting with horror to something they had once seemed to think was absolutely fine. And of course now it is not just people who are physically immediately around us, it is all the people with whom we interact on social media that are around us, and therefore... That echo chamber, if you want to call it that, is is louder still. To what extent does a governing body, a regulator, have to take stock of that and listen to that to that noise? The British Horse Racing Authority is charged with being the regulator of, of British horse racing. And the, the reason that it has that responsibility, that it's been given that responsibility, is because it is staffed by experts in horse racing and in matters equine. In that sense, it's right for the British Horse Racing Authority to say to that chorus of voices, we, we hear what you're, you are saying, but we are the right people to, to sit in judgment of this issue, and this is what we are going to do. And if that means um, an element of dissatisfaction on the part of some of those of the people supplying some of those voices then i'm afraid so be it you know he he has admitted that um his conduct on that occasion fell way below what the standards that he set himself over the decades um are we to believe that this incredible career has been built through an empathy with the horse uh, and an understanding of how the horse works, or are we to believe that it's built on incidents such as surfaced on Saturday afternoon? Well, I believe the former, and if you do believe the former, and you think that the uh, the what we saw on Saturday, whilst ugly, was out of character, I think that surely that has to be at, at, at the head of the matters taken into consideration. So you would like to think, given that Sir Mark Todd hasn't exactly mounted any great defence of uh, what happened the other day, that that would be expedited fairly quickly. Uh, you might surmise similar about Sheen Murphy, who is also not contesting the charges brought against him and several of them, disciplinary charges relating to a COVID-19 breach of protocol, two failed uh, breath tests, one at Chester, one at Newmarket, all well publicised and well talked about on this podcast. But he's going to face a hearing on Tuesday. He relinquished his licence, Dave, 
um, before Christmas. So there is a, a sort of natural feeling that whatever censure he gets, it, the suspension will be backdated to, to when he handed in his license. What are we expecting from this case, do you think? He gave up his license voluntarily. I think it was on December the 16th. The original hearing was for December the 10th. And uh, that was delayed uh, after his, his lawyers had made representation as you say now this will be heard on Tuesday it's very likely one would think that uh, what punishment there would be would be uh, backdated in in December the BHA and this is of course relevant to the Mark to Mark Todd case as well potentially in that they said that the regulator has a disciplinary uh, function to fulfill but this must also be balanced with protecting the individual concerns mental health. If you're looking at a, a three-month suspension and that would to be backdated to December, then he, he'd be free to ride very soon, wouldn't he? If there were six months, then that, that takes us to around uh, June time. Yeah, I mean, I think that's right. I think he'd be very lucky to get three months and be able to ride straight away. I and mean, that would almost go counter to the recommendations in terms of the, the penalty structure that is is laid down uh, as a guide for the for the disciplinary panel having said that i mean uh, as you say the interesting two parts of this i think are going to be first will it be automatic that the any suspension that is given is backdated to when he relinquished his license i still i think i agree with you i think the feeling is it probably will and i think the second part that's interesting is the extent to which that independent judicial panel takes stock both of uh, murphy's admissions now even though it, it, it is accepted that he misled the investigators in the in the first part of the inquiry take stock of the fact that he is now admitting his guilt that he is uh, contrite and that he is has sought assistance uh, getting his life sorted out and, and and the extent to which they take his own mental health issues into account anyway that's all to be determined next week well, having a look at the entries for this weekend in the UK, I thought Anthony Honeyball was the right man to speak to, uh, the Dorset-based trainer who, who joins me now. And I'm particularly interested not only in some of the great old favourites that he's running this weekend, but also the form of the yard. Just listen to this for the last few runners. Second, second, first, second, 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 third, second, fourth, second, second. The horses are running brilliantly, Anthony, but boy, oh boy, someone owes you a change of luck. Uh, yeah, yeah, we, we, we'd had a we'd had a good number. Of, I think it's kind of yes, yeah, around when Sam Brown was second at uh, Haydock, that that was a really frustrating time. But actually, we had a nice run of winners, and then yeah, like you say, sort of running well but not winning just of late. But um, they they were picking up some nice prize money along the way, and um, yeah, you, you know, just keep putting putting them in there with good chances, and hopefully a few are drop, a few drop soon. Hopefully, Sam Brown. Yeah, Sam Brown is a, a really talented horse and you got him back to run a fantastic race to finish second to Royal Pagai at Haydock last time. Uh, because we'd spoken before the race, I knew how much you fancied him. Try and describe your emotions after it. I was, I was like a spoiled child. I couldn't... I, uh, I was a fair way away from the paddock and I couldn't even... I could hardly bring myself to walk back to the paddock afterwards. I was just absolutely mortified. Um, I mean, in hindsight, you know, we're just lucky he ran well because in those, those sort of races you can... You know, you're, you're never far away from um, dropping out. You know, it's a tough races and they've got to be absolutely right. You know, he was right on the day, I suppose, because I, I believed we had him in really good order. Um, 
Yeah, I just found it really frustrating. Yeah, really frustrating. And, and then he sort of ran on, but I knew in my heart of hearts he was never going to get back to that. But he, you know, fair play to him. He, he ran on, and one guy sort of half waited for us, and then just cocked his ears and went and went on a bit more. But the best horse won on the day, and delighted really in hindsight, delighted with what he did. But I was, I was in bits afterwards. I must admit. So that could all be put right this weekend. Uh, have you got a view to the Grand National, or or, or, or how are you thinking about that entry? Well, he just. He's touchwood. Um, he's always enjoyed his jumping and being quite neat and nothing, nothing silly and flamboyant or big. Just very neat. And I thought, I spoke to Aidan. He said, "Well, you have to Aidan Coleman, and you know, he said you have to be in there." And I thought, "Yeah, you're right. He has to be in there." And you never know; he might get a year where it's soft ground. He wouldn't need a complete bog, but just softish ground. So that would be the only reason he, he I suppose, he wouldn't, he wouldn't go, as if, it, if the ground was. Um, I suppose the usual sort of spring, good, good to soft ground. But um, you know, normally try and make it on the slower side there. And if there's a bit of rain around, there's no reason why I wouldn't go there. And this, this race um, on Saturday fits in, fits in well. And it's not the be on and end all to, to go to the national after that, but it gives us the right, you know, it gives us the option and the right time to go. So uh, and then obviously the weights are already there, and there's yeah. no there's no penalty to carry if he was to was to win on Saturday. So um, yeah, so. Um, all, all looking, all looking good, and see what we do on Saturday. Now he is a spring chicken, Sam Brown. He is a mere—he's t- a stripling uh, as a ten-year-old. You've got Jepek at thirteen and Regal Encore at fourteen, both of whom have got some sort of realistic chances of winning at the weekend. I mean, Regal Encore—the handicap has taken him down nine pounds in three starts. He goes to his beloved Ascot. Is that enough for the old boy? Well, you'd think so at home. You just never quite know till you um, put them in the deep end. I mean, he's he's had a, a few days after his last run at Ascot, just found the ground a bit quick, which in his old day, Edward, a few years back wouldn't have been the case. It would have been fine, but it was just, Richie felt it was all just happening a bit quick for him and actually felt he ran fine. Um, we, two days after that, we, we fired his pallet. Um, so he's a wind, first time wind up. Um, first time after a wind up, um, dropped to 140. I mean, every single box is ticked for him to run well. Um, as far as what we've seen at home, track washes, scopes, handicap mark, um, back to Ascot, soft ground, rain forecast. Um, you know, we, could, we couldn't complain. So uh, everything's right for him. It's just over to him now. And, you know, he doesn't know us anything. But, I mean, um, he, he, he's full of it. You know, and, and that we we play we play it race by race with him now at this age. But I mean, there's absolutely no reason why he won't carry on for. You know, he's just very, very, um, very youthful at home. He's very athletic. He's very sound, touch wood, um, and he enjoys it. So we're going to keep going while he while he uh, keeps running well. But obviously, um, we'll see how he goes on Saturday. But um, yeah, looking forward to it. You've got Jepek in a couple of races. He's in a couple of races with AC Milan as well. Are you going to run both of them? No, AC's out. He's got a little tweak. Um, he's got a little problem with AC just at the minute. So he's, he's done a, he should be okay in a week, but it's no good this weekend. But um, we, yeah, looking forward to Jepek. The more rain we can get, the better. Um, yeah, he's he's going to run at Wing Canton. Um, we guaranteed the ground at Taydock, but the owner's very local and he's got good form at Wincanton, so he, he was just like, you know, rather just go there. It's a £20,000 race at um, Wincanton as well. Um, we've got um, Cameron, Cameron Isles on board uh, taking the 10 off, so, um, so it'd be good. He's, he's looked after some of the young jockeys before JPEG with Rex Dinger and um, Ben Godfrey and given them winners and nice winners, so hopefully he can give Cameron a... Um, a great start and um, yeah just the more rain we get the better for him
So big weekend for Anthony Honeyball. Big weekend also for Gary Moore. Mind you, Dave Yates, every weekend's a big weekend for Gary Moore now. But some interesting riding arrangements this time. Yeah, that's right. Well, Goshen, who, of course, uh, stormed back to form at Sandown a couple of Saturdays ago, uh, will defend his title in the Kingwell Hurdle at Wincanton on Saturday. Um, He'll be ridden for the first time by Josh Moore. Uh, Jamie will go as long as the meeting's on, to Haydock to ride Porticello in the Victor Ludorum hurdle. So uh, all of for all of his uh, 12 outings over hurdles, Goshen has been ridden by Jamie Moore. Josh will take over for the first time here. One other thing that is worthy of mention, just from a, a, a chat with Gary Moore yesterday, and that's that uh, Porticello, is, it's, uh, a, a warning has been sounded about this uh, Horses' participation in the Triumph Hurdle at Cheltenham. Uh, he's as low as 10 to 1 after his win in the, the Finale Junior Hurdle at uh, the Juvenile Hurdle at Chepstow in December. Uh, Gary Moore says that Portishello won't run in the Triumph Hurdle unless the ground is good to soft or softer. Of course, it's run on the final day of the Cheltenham Festival on March the 18th. And under normal circumstances, we would expect the ground to dry out as the week progresses. So that's just worth bearing in mind if you're uh, thinking of backing Porticello. He won't run unless the ground is good, or is good soft or softer. He will put the final um, touches to what may be his festival preparation at Haydock tomorrow. Goshen defends his title at Wincanton and he'll be ridden by Josh Moore for the first time. Uh, do you want to say anything more about Tiger Roll or did, uh, did Lee and, and Tom finish that off yesterday. Yeah, I didn't attend the, the launch of the Randolph's Grand National on Tuesday. Um, those who did had left the premises and were on their way home when they received texts to say that uh, the O'Leary's had ruled Tiger Roll out of this year's race. Yeah, I, I think everybody, it, it's, it, for, for some of us, it's been a gift that has kept on giving over the last couple of years because uh, the, the the national launch is, is less of a... Um, it's less of a story for the newspapers than it used to be um, because, of course, the, the the weights pretty much are in line with the BHA ratings uh, that, that those chasers have in any case. And often we've turned to the O'Leary's or to Eddie O'Leary to say, right, what about Tiger Roll? And he's given us a story. I know that people find it increasingly tedious. The horse is 12. He may not even be in training at 13. And I uh, suspect, and in a way hope, that probably this is the, uh, the last roar of the Tiger Roll Grand National story. It's a big weekend of racing in Hong Kong. And here in Bahrain, I can check in with J.A. McGrath, who's in his native Australia, more of which in a moment, but can give us the briefing on Hong Kong's racing uh, this Sunday. So I think we're suitably international, Croc. We'll, we'll start with Golden 60, who's, who's back. He lost his uh, winning streak last time. And he did so in a, in a way that you rather predicted when we had this conversation on the podcast. He beat himself. Uh, slow pace inside draw, and he just couldn't get there. Yeah, and Vincent Ho said afterwards, the jockey, he said afterwards, listen, I left him too much to do, which is exactly right. What he tried to do was what we were discussing. He tried to yank him back uh, to the rear of the field, and Joe Marrera was on his outside, and he, quite rightly, as any competitive jockey you would expect to do, uh, he held him in for a little bit longer than Vincent wanted. 
and uh, he actually failed. He was beaten by Waikuku, who's an old rival, uh, and it was a shock. It was uh, He was going for 17 wins in a row, which would have equaled Silent Witness's record uh, for consecutive wins in Hong Kong. However, he got beaten, but uh, as I... As I also said on this podcast, he lost nothing in defeat. Well, he lost 380 grand mm. for his owner, but um, uh, as far as reputation went, he didn't. No, he's as, he's as good as new since then. He's trialled. He trialled 12 days before this race coming up, uh, which sets him up perfectly. Uh, and also he worked very, very well yesterday morning. So he's bang on song. Uh, we're waiting for the barrier draw to see where he is in the in the lineup. If he draws towards the outside, uh, he'll be... Uh, well, he wants to draw about the middle from the 2000, which is a, a very short run to the first turn. Uh, and uh, he'd want to get a position. He wouldn't want to be drawn the extreme outside. Even so, he could drop to the rear and, and run on past them. He's twice been tried over the mile and a quarter and two times he has won uh he won the won this race last year and uh he prior to that he won the hong kong derby so i reckon he's going to be back in the winners list there's quite a bit of feeling in hong kong that golden 60s connections have got too defensive a mindset uh, as regards the way they campaign this horse and they're just running a little bit scared of campaigning and where they should be is there is there any any truth in that for you or not I think there may have been when they were heading towards uh, Silent Witness's record, but I think now I think there's a there's a great deal of relief uh, that that pressure is off. And it's it's man-made pressure, as we know. We see it all the time. You know, we we, we saw it uh, with Black Caviar, 25 consecutive wins, uh, and almost got beat at Royal Ascot, as we know, when uh, when Luke Dolan dropped his hands, uh, but. It's, um, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's man-made pressure. I think they, they're in the right mindset. I really like the way that Francis Loy has handled this horse uh, and uh, Vincent Ho. He rides him like a motorbike. I've said that before, but he just wants to keep out of trouble. He knows what he's got under him. You know, he's, he's, uh, he's, he really has got a motorbike. Okay, what's the other feature race at Shartin this weekend? Well, we've got the, the uh, Group 1 Queen's Jubilee Cup, which is also uh, a, a big one, uh, over seven furlongs, 1,400 metres. And Waikuku, the horse who beat Golden 60 in that Stewart's Cup last time, he goes to the 1,400, the seven furlongs. Uh, he's the top rated in this in this race. Uh, there are eight entries. We're still waiting for the, for the final decks. However, uh, Waikuku top rated and, you know, on that form, on that last performance, he should be winning. He's got Skyfield to beat, one of Casper Founders. Uh, Wellington, who we thought was going to be uh, the best sprinter for, uh, for Richard Gibson, uh, he's just gone slightly off the boil. He tries the 1400, uh, and he's an interesting runner as well. But uh, that's the other group one on this really good card at Chartin. And what a weekend it is internationally, particularly in the in the Eastern Hemisphere. You're in your in your native land now, and you're there at a good time because you're seeing arguably the two most exciting turf sprinters. Well, I'm going to say in the world, in Nature Strip and his stable companion Home Affairs, going head to head in the in the Lightning Stakes. Uh, would you expect the younger horse with McDonald on Home Affairs to get the better of the legendary Nature Strip, or, or do you think Nature Strip is still holds sway? Well, nature's trip holds sway at the moment. Chris Waller has done a fantastic job with this horse. He's had a number of trainers, by the way, uh, and Waller is the man who's actually been able to harness this extreme speed 
that he has. His problem before was he wouldn't settle. He just charged to the front and he just wouldn't relax. But Waller has somehow managed to work the oracle with him and he's uh, been settling beautifully. Uh, and, you know, Jamie Carr in the saddle, that will be uh, that will be no disadvantage at all, particularly down down the, uh, the, the straight at Flemington. Uh, as we know, the lightning has provided so many pointers to Royal Ascot and there's uh, every intention that uh, the winner will go for uh, the uh, the Platinum Jubilee, I should imagine it's called, mm-hmm. uh, this year. Uh, and, you know, we've had Troisier, we've had Takeover Target, Miss Andretti, Scenic Blast, and also Black Caviar. They all won this race, Black Caviar, three times, and uh, then went on to uh, to glory at Royal Ascot. So it is a really big pointer for Europe, and it's a very, very important race. Uh, Jim McGraw there talking about not only the Lightning Stakes, but also the big races in Hong Kong this weekend. So from Hong Kong via Australia, via me in Bahrain, to Kentucky, where Englishman Marcus Bird is one of the Godolphin Flying Start first-year trainees. And he's been telling me how he's enjoying uh, induction into stud life in Lexington. Yeah, it's been amazing. Everyone at Godolphin on all their farms, John Abel, Stone aside, Dubai Millennium, uh, everyone's been really welcoming. Um, all the visits we've had, everyone's been yeah incredibly welcoming. And today we started our rotations. So that was good to sort of get in and get involved. Um, we've got people doing on full watch tonight at Gainsborough. Um, I was in the office at John Abel doing marketing uh, this morning um, and others uh, helping out with mayors at different farms. You spent some time as a pupil assistant to Andrew Balding um, in the last year, 18 months or so. Can't have been a better time to be, to be at Kingsclear. Tell me what you got out of that experience. Oh, that was the most incredible place I've ever worked. Um, I got the job just as racing was about to start resuming in, in 2020. And um, yeah, uh, within, I think within a month of me being there, Camaco had won the guineas and I just thought, yeah, it was, it was just a complete whirlwind and it only went from strength to strength after that. Um, everyone there was really useful and helpful and nice to me because uh, I'd never really worked on a racing yard before. Um, I'd more sort of been, had a stud background um and yeah everyone just sort of got me in helped me out with the basics and yeah i, I think I, my horsemanship improved and so you're on the first year of this good off and flying start do you think differently about how your career might pan out now to how you did three or four months ago when you started this oh completely i think everyone's in the same boat as well like we all sort of came in with ideas of what we want to do and already people are changing just because we're meeting so many amazing people and getting so many amazing opportunities that it just sort of opens our eyes to more like different areas within the industry which we can work in. And tell me a little bit about the, the sort of camaraderie amongst you all and, and how important that is in, in making this the experience it is. Oh, I think it's massive. Um, obviously, there's 12 of us on the course and we pretty much spend two years together um so we've all got to get on well and and have that sort of as you say camaraderie like even when uh when we first came to lexington there were a couple of people who through positive covid tests couldn't get there and um there were a couple of jokes going around in the group chat saying please don't have too much fun before the rest of us can get there from here on out until kentucky derby week we we're on our rotations so we've got 
two weeks of Nightwatch foaling. We've got four weeks working with mares on studs. We've got a week in the office. Um, yeah, and other things sort of like that. Like next week, I'm going to work for Johnny Burke, who's the good often pre-trainer at Keeneland. Um, Henry was there this morning, and he said it was really good, really interesting, um, just seeing how every, everyone sort of fits into the big cog of good off in america and we've got to um talk about the latest edition of the podcast is that up yet uh it's being edited it will be out this friday uh so we've got uh we've gone with a theme now that the the recruitment phase for the next application of flying starts is over we we're moving away from the sort of recruitment targeting so we've sort of done a crash course into the usa industry for a lot of our listeners who are in Australia and Europe. Uh, so we've got Ned Toffee from Spendthrift on to talk about breeding. And we've got Dan Blacker, who obviously is a trainer in California, to talk about the racing side of it. All the best to Marcus and my thanks also earlier in the show to, to Jim McGrath and also to Anthony Honeyball. David Yates is still with me and has a tip for you for today. We're going to Chelmsford City for the 8.30 race. Nick, it's the Ministry of Sound Disco 20th of August handicap. Uh, I'll be going there and I know you will be too. Uh, the, the selection is number one and it's M Franchise, uh, a filly trained by Charlie Mark Johnston, who has uh, stepped forward in terms of form since going up to 10 furlongs, a second at Lingfield Park, followed by a victory there last time. And a £3 rise, I hope, will not be enough to prevent another win. 8.30 race at Chelmsford City, Ministry of Sound, blah, 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 selection number one, M Franchise. Uh, David, thank you very much. Thank you very much for listening. Don't forget, if you do enjoy this podcast, please give us a rating and review us. Tell us what you'd like to hear more of. And a reminder, you can download this on all good podcast platforms and the ones that perhaps you find less good. But that's it from us now. That was Thursday, the 17th of February. We'll be back again tomorrow. You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzdares the Racehorse Owners Association and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary. Mm-hmm.